It's a kind of a family Wherever I roam, a Fenway home That's where I long to be I'm a member of a Red Sox nation It's a kind of insanity yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity I fake a smile November until everyone and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast as always can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, and literally everywhere. Red Sox just wrapped up a brief two-game set against the Toronto Blue Jays, each taking a game apiece. I am Terry Cushman and am joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and Liz Churchville. How are you guys? Pretty good. Uh, I am somewhere between still panicked and average. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get into it, but my, my big takeaway is, uh, we can't keep letting the lineup bail us out. Like no team ever got to the playoffs with, with only that winning game. So, but, uh, we'll definitely get into it. So switching things up this week, Jeremy, uh, why don't you, uh, take us through the two games? Yeah, game one um, of a of a short two game set with weird days off. Uh, a series we had to have, and it started out great. We got out to an early lead. Sale sucked. He sucks. He continues to suck. He sucked again on Tuesday. Uh, great that they got their rings. Uh, hopefully, we don't talk about it anymore. Um, really, just an embarrassing loss having an early lead. Sale again sucked. Uh, he seemed to not have his mind in the game with allowing Guriel to steal home. It's an embarrassing loss. I'm done with game one. Uh, let's focus to a little bit more positive game two. Um, Avaldi gives up the, the, the two big flies early. You're down five. The way this season's going, you're thinking, God damn it, Red Sox. Uh, the Bruins are losing on, on the other Nesson station. The whole thing's a goddamn nightmare, but they come right back with three quick runs. They find a way to tie it. Um, again, you think, oh, my God, this life sucks as a Red Sox fan because Brazier gave up the home run in the eighth. Um, but this team did something they've been doing. Uh, they did all last year, and uh, Mitchie four bags hit a double to score bets from first, followed by what I'm going to characterize as the absolute worst base hit to win a baseball game in Major League history. Um, by by Raphael Devers. I mean the worst base hit. One, it was at his neck. Two, it literally hit a foot within the uh, in front of home plate and then bounced into right field for the game winning hit. Whatever it took, maybe that's the maybe that's the you know the metaphor that flips this thing on its head and we start winning games. So we're uh, we split the series and we lead into uh, the Orioles tomorrow. Hopefully with some fucking momentum. 
That's a good team to to uh, try to find that momentum as well. Uh, getting right into shout-outs and call-outs for everyone new to the show. In this segment, we will each call out a member of the team or another team, if it's appropriate, on you know something that impressed us, and then we'll loop around, and then we will call someone out for probably something awful. So, uh, Liz, uh, why don't you go ahead and bat lead off? <laughs> All right. Um, I went ahead and uh, for my shout out, I, I went with Bogart. Uh, I know he wasn't like he didn't do anything that spectacular in either of the games, but there were two things that kind of stood out to me in a way, and I think are going to make him an important part of what hopefully is going to end up making the team successful in the future. <laughs> um, in the first game, uh, he only had two at bats, but in that second at bat, he got. He, uh, he got a double to score and bring the team within within one run. Sure, it didn't matter, you know, ultimately, but kind of what it said to me is, you know, maybe, you know, he'll be, even though he's a starter you know, and he's probably not going to have that much time on the bench, you know, he's always going to be ready to come in and maybe make that key hit. And uh, it's going to be key small plays like that that are going to end up, you know, winning games. Home runs are great, but... Um, but uh, they're not always what ends up making a big difference, you know, in the end. And then um, in uh, game in the and tonight, uh, what do I have? Sorry, I'm kind of out of it. <laughs> oh no, no, we're actually Jeremy will be uh, next with his shout out. Yeah, he uh, he got a single. Uh, he got a single and got on base. And then uh, ended up moving over to third and then on a wild pitch. There was a lot of wild pitches, I felt, uh, for just a two-game series uh, for both teams, it seemed. It was kind of weird. You know, he ended up scoring. And I think in a situation like that, even though it would seem easy, you know, to kind of steal home on a wild pitch, it's kind of a risky move for a runner. And uh, it's funny because, you know, right after that, and I know it's not all Devers' fault, particularly since he ended up, you know, winning the game for them in the end. Uh, tonight, but, you know, he, you know, tried to, tried to go home, um, you know, on the very next play, and then, and got thrown out, so, so I feel like just heads up base running, you know, making the right decisions, even though, you know, if you have a third base coach telling you to go when, you know, maybe you're thinking in your head you shouldn't, what are you supposed to do, you know, kind of a thing, but, uh, but that's why I shouted out Bogarts. Okay, my, good, and that's a an appropriate one. I noticed a couple of times tonight he lined a rocket, you know, right to left field. One of them, unfortunately, just happened to be right at the um, left fielder, but it would have uh, bounced hard off the wall had it had a different trajectory. So, uh, good choice on that, uh, Jeremy. Who do you have? Um, I, I just went easy. I was gonna honestly. I was thinking about Pedroia. He's back. Ugh. Uh, everyone <laughs> loves him. He oh, had a hit gosh. in that three-run inning that got him back in the game. Great, you know, awesome. Um, but I just couldn't bring myself to it uh, to do it um, because you'd be celebrating two hits and eight at bats, and really not having an overly positive effect generally, except for the RBI. So uh, I went obvious. I went Moreland. I mean, Jesus Christ, where would we be without this guy? <laughs> I mean, we have four wins, and he had the go-ahead 
hit or home run in the first three, and the 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 hit tonight to score Mookie to tie it, that allowed Devers to win it with the worst base hit to win a game in the history of Major League Baseball. So uh, I mean I don't know I mean I, I it, it would be I know it's too easy but it's disingenuous in my opinion to say anybody after what Moreland's done and and again he hit a home run too earlier in the game in that three run comeback that um, uh, that three run inning to to, to kind of get things right the guy's been awesome he's just awesome um, I, I I have some concerns that he's going to break down and have a bad second half because he basically does that as a career. Uh, you know, the way he these things go. I hope they can get him some breaks and keep him healthy because if he's going to hit, and he's not going to do this all year, but if you can get him uh, against power right-handed arms in big situations, he's shown over the course of his Red Sox career that he's capable of big hits. Right, and I, the crazy thing is, is you can literally make a case that we're 0 for 13 Without Moreland. Now, maybe somebody else is hitting in his spot and, and gives you a game or two in there. But you literally can still make a solid case for it. Yeah. If he went 0 for 4 in those four key at-bats, uh, not to highlight them specifically, but the people that are listening to this podcast and have been watching the games know, 0 for 4 in those at-bats, I mean, we could be off to... Literally, a hist- I mean, it's already borderline historic, but for a team that just won the World Series, but like, you know, the worst start ever to start a season in like the modern baseball era. So, Moreland has literally meant everything to this team. Uh, when the pitching has done almost nothing, uh, he has single handedly overcome some of these problems to literally win games by himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, over to uh, to my uh, uh, shout-out. Excuse me. I don't know why I always watch this. But um, my shout-out tonight initially was going to be Lourdes Gurriel for stealing home. And not only for what he did, but that one move by him single-handedly made us that basically brought Red Sox Nation to a boiling point because they booed Chris Sale like they had never booed him before and it was just the culmination of a shitty start like there there's no way to sugarcoat it and that's not something I'm celebrating but you know it's it's a significant point and in the the move in and of itself you see it maybe what three or four times a season, if that. So props to him for pulling it off. And I'm, But I'm going to pivot now and switch to Devers. And one reason why I was hesitant to do it is because Devers owns at least half the blame for that, you know, that steal of home because he didn't, you know, he wasn't kind of covering the bag to force the runner to come back. So a lot of people might blame Sale, but Devers owns a lot of that. But... After tonight, you know, with the walk-off, it was an ugly hit, but the alignments were kind of funky because there there was only one out, and they were trying to, you know, they were going to try to get the out at home, so he was able to punch it through. You know, the shift would have been a little further back, and maybe, you know, th- there would have been an out recorded, but it was an ugly hit, but he got the job done tonight. 
you called him out in the in the last episode, Jeremy, and I thought it was entirely appropriate. But kind of quietly, he is kind of improving his his plate discipline little by little. His his OBP is you know right around. I'm guessing it's around three twenty three thirty after tonight, which is. I don't know, 40 points higher than his batting average at least. Last year, his OBP for the year was less than three for the entire year. So he's taking his time. There was an at-bat late in the first game where he he worked a double count. There was a runner on second. If he, if he was able to get a hit, the game would have been tied. And he ultimately grounded out. But that at-bat went nine pitches. And... I want to see more of that. If we see more of that, you know, his numbers are going to improve immensely on 2018. And, you know, the walk-off tonight kind of sealed it for me. He's my uh, he's my shout-out. And uh, I hope this trend uh, with him continues. So I think it's ironic that he swung at such a bad pitch to win the game because that pitch was – legitimately neck or at least shoulder high. So, um, I mean, I, and he, he did show signs, Terry, this series. But uh, to win it on that, on, on, a, on a ball that was that far out of the strike zone is a little bit ironic given what, you know, you're highlighting there. The second thing is, um, just quickly, and this is more about baseball strategy than, than anything, I, I, I totally disagree with um, him having any effect on the steal of home. You don't hold runners on at third base. Um, the only time it's a consideration is if the infield's in, in which case the third baseman would be even with the bag, about 10 feet off the bag, and that does keep the, the guy on third close. And, and the purpose of that is to try to counteract the contact play, which is as soon as the ball's contacted on the ground, the runner goes. Uh, that prevents the natural walking lead that happens on third, which is a little bit of a different lead. Um, from from getting to the point where you can't have a play at the plate, so that's the only time you hold a runner on in the big leagues at third base. Uh, literally, all you have to do in that situation as a as a pitcher is to is to just show the guy on third that you know he's there, because he can't steal home if you're paying attention. Either you step off and he trots back to third, no harm, no foul. There's no throw. You just reset and throw the next pitch. Or he gets crazy, he goes, but you're paying attention and you have the ability to either step off and uh, throw the ball to home or you purposely uh, change whatever pitch you're throwing to a four-seamer and you throw the ball off the plate so the catcher can field it and tag him. So uh, the third baseman, in my opinion, in Major League Baseball has no role in that that steal of home. I See, we're, we're going to be a little far apart on this because, I mean, Gurriel was like not halfway home, but he was grossly off the bag. And if Devers just kind of faints towards the bag, the runner has to come back, and you've essentially killed any chance he has to steal. So, you know, I'm not, and I'm not saying it's entirely Devers, but he didn't help the situation. He just stood there, you know, motionless. Sale should have turned around. I mean, he's a lefty, so he's facing first base, but... You know, he he should have at least gave him a look as well. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm you know we. I don't know what I want to say here. 
I strongly disagree with you, and I think baseball people would too. I guess I'll just leave it at that. No, that, that's fine. Devers was uh, four for eight on the series as well, batted 500 throughout the two games. Uh, you know, hitting the ball very well, making very good contact on it. You know, uh, I'm not saying tonight the walk off was, you know, was a great at bat or a great hit, but the it, double down the right field line deep. Uh, was this the thing that made me get real excited that he's coming out of it. Yeah, and I think so too, but you just see it. I mean, for the most part, he isn't swinging at ugly shit, you know, stuff in the dirt. And, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more encouraged. And I'm not, I don't think I'm a Devers apologist by any means, but, uh, you know, big improvement from, um, from 2018 so far, so far. Uh, Liz, go Liz. ahead. Yeah, go ahead with your call-out. My my call-out to Chris Sale. um, Like Jeremy was saying when he was given the recap, I mean, uh, the the four innings that he was in 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 the first game were embarrassing. Uh, I mean, he he started out all right, and then it's like in the third, you could just see him starting to crumble, you know, basically. And um, he had uh, two runs came in in the third, and then... um, and then the, or sorry, uh, there were two two singles that tied the game, and then there was another, you know, just right after that it looked like. And then in the third, I didn't get to watch this game, unfortunately. I had to piece it together in a seven-minute recap, which doesn't do it any justice. But um, but then everything culminated with what you guys were just talking about, where Guriel stole third. And, uh, I mean, Vasquez had that had that miscatch. I mean, that, that was horrible. Every time I see one of the catchers do something wrong, all I think about is Leon. <laughs> and I wonder if, you know, if Leon was catching him, you know, would that have happened? You know, it could have, but, you know, maybe not. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, uh, that wild pitch was just so uh, egregious. It looked like he wasn't even paying attention, you know, and it kind of. Oh, did we lose you? Or did we lose me again? <laughs> She's gone. Okay. Uh, well, While you try to get her back, I'll go to my call out. Yep. Oh. Which is up. Oh, wait. Uh. Up, 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 up. There she uh. is. <laughs> nope. Do we my wait? call out is, uh, again, obvious. I feel like I'm being a little bit lazy tonight um, with my shout outs and call outs, but. Avaldi. Um, and I'm not going to, like, ether him oh, because I. I know. So I'm not going to eat the Rivaldi because I did think he battled. Um, but the, the two home runs in the down 5 nothing, given what this team has faced with the starting pitching, it just, you know, it sucked. I, it just sucked. And it was depressing. And, you know, for the Boston sports fans that were doing what I was doing tonight, which was flipping back and forth between the Bruins and the Red Sox, it, 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 with the way the Bruins game was going, it was it was it looked like soul crushing. Like I was like angry. Like it, it it I couldn't describe to you in that moment what the feeling was. But on a positive note, he was able to get some ground balls, turn some double plays, and he was able to get through the all important five innings despite the five runs, which allowed you know this team to go into the Orioles series with a bullpen that's relatively ready to go. Um, so. Again, 
Jesus Christ starting pitching, figure it the fuck out. But I'm not going to ether Rivaldi. I'm just going to say that, you know, at least he gave us the five we really desperately needed uh, so that we can stay, you know, people keep people in their normal roles and move forward into the Orioles series because the Orioles series has to be the point. This team is not a major league club. They suck. They have a hitter that's in, and we're going to talk about this in a second, who's in the middle of an 0 for 51, historically bad. They have almost no talent. They have no arms, no lineup. They're, you know, everything about them sucks. So um, he did his job allowing us to go into the Orioles series uh, with everyone in their, in their roles. Yeah, and, you know, that's a solid pick, you know, with Evaldi tonight. But I tweeted out earlier, he had a double play in four out of his five innings, and he still gave up five runs. Like, that is, how, how does that happen? Well, I mean, he gave up two balls that are still traveling. Yeah, well, the, the walks, too. I, I can't remember how many base runners were on because he walked them, and then the ball flew out. But just, that, that's, I uh, I don't have the numbers up in front of me, but he, he hasn't gone seven innings in the regular season since last uh, August. So it's I don't know I'm I'm pretty frustrated with that whole thing as well. So. I mean you're you're crossing into a little bit of the hater because you hate you hate Evaldi and you hate the contract. The contract's not perfect, um, but if if he can give you a five or six, and again he's you know the fourth guy, Eros the fifth guy theoretically, despite the way they they're lined up for the righty lefty a dichotomy, but he's. <laughs> He's and a don't get me wrong. Me. I mean, he, you know, we needed a shutdown performance tonight. I mean, we, we needed him to, to to win us a game, and he gave up two balls that, you know, thank God for gravity, uh, because those things would still be going. But, I, I he's not a seventeen guy. He's not an eighteen guy. But Norton, you know, I mean, he's a guy that can give you five solid. And by the way, it takes something to give up those home runs the way this team's going and then give you two more innings of zero runs. I mean, so look, again, I'm not ethering the guy because as much as he put us in the hole, he also pitched within the way the game was going, which was we built the comeback and he allowed it to happen. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to spend much time this episode trashing the contract, but that episode... Uh, is, is pretty, pretty close. <laughs> it's pretty close. Um, my, I, I feel weird for doing this, but my uh, call out will be for Carlos Feebles because I mean it was just so dumb to send Devers home on, on a fly ball that was pretty shallow. I mean he's not Mookie Betts. He's not Jackie Bradley. And I'm not sure either one of those guys would have made it home anyway. I mean, it's just completely stupid to to send him home. And the Blue Jays were, were making enough mistakes on their own. So just keep Devers at third and let them continue to make the mistakes instead of us. I just thought it was pretty dumb. And you know how much I love to disagree with you, Terrence? <laughs> um, I think there was one out. So if you don't send them, you lose the sack fly opportunity. No, there were, we've had that real... ended the inning. That was the third out. Yeah, yeah. So there was there, there was meaning if you don't attempt the tag play, 
then it's going to take a pass ball or a base hit to score, which in Major League Baseball, typically you, you need a base hit. Uh, I The way this thing is going with the guy in Oakland who just was throwing missiles everywhere, um, it hasn't been great. And a lot of that can be, well, you know, bad base running. It's been some perfect throws. And that throw is really, really good. Perfect one long hop, which is the way they teach it. Um, I know it looks bad because of the result of the play, but I like the aggressive play. And I think over the course of 162, sending a guy in that circumstance, um, more likely than not, you know, one, you're putting the pressure on the defense to physically make the play, which is a very difficult play. And, and I think more often than not, that's a successful play. The way this team is going, you just couldn't expect the two-out hit. And so, I don't, I, I, obviously, the results sucked. And, Terry, I see your point 100%. I'm just here mainly because I like giving you, a, you know, just disagreeing with you. I, I, don't, I didn't at the time hate the decision, um, although I will admit that the optics of it were really bad g- given the result. I mean, he was out by a mile, and this is a pitching coach no, no who was doing, was doing the same thing with Nunez last year. I, Nunez was out by a mile at least three or four times, and he had a bum knee. So why the fuck are you sending a guy with a bum knee? I just... I think we have a mediocre third base coach. Is is I guess what I'm getting at. Let uh, me let me just say one other thing about that because I do think the third base coach has an underrated importance um, just across baseball, especially at you know high school, college, pros, um, where runners are taught to and do pick up the coaches as they're making their base running decisions. I think at some point Devers has to see he's out, stop and go back. Or if part of the result of the play was a bad jump, understand you got a bad jump, stop and go back. Don't, you know, and, and I'd like to see it again from like a wide angle where I could see the jump. You know, was he running with his head down? Did he look up to see where the throw was? Because look, good base running means, you know, looking for the ball knowing where you have to slide, whether it's inside the bag, outside the bag, whether you even have to slide. Uh, and I just don't consider Devers himself a good base runner. So I, I do think you know, the optics of it were really bad, and I, I would be interested to have a little more information to see if part of the problem was Devers' inability to adjust to the way the play was happening. And, and uh, I mean, uh, I, we're, we're not that far apart on this, but, I mean, we did have some momentum at the time, too, and it was just a total buzzkill. You know, when you put up, I, I think it was four runs in all that inning, and, you know, I don't know. And, and it was a factor. I think it was Moreland coming up to hit, who's our one guy that's hitting. Uh, no, I think Moreland was. No, it wasn't. It was Pedroia, so it was uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., which uh, I'd actually like to revisit my take. You send him every time. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's let's uh, let's just get into the... Oh, uh, I heard Liz. I heard Liz. Oh, my back. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't know. Okay. Uh, clearly, my, uh, my, Skype, my Skype knows I didn't make my coffee tonight either. <laughs> there you go. Can, I, you, can you hear me or no? Yeah, no, you're good. You're perfect. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I was just saying my call out with Sale. I mean, he had the the three singles in the third to to bring the Jays, you know, up three to two, and then the fourth was really the most embarrassing. You know, where Vasquez had the had the uh, had the bad catch, 
Um, and then Guriel uh, stole, hey, stole home and everything. Easy on the Vasquez, you know, trashing here. Well, I'm not trashing him. I'm just no, saying, he's Jeremy's you know, boy. Horrible... I'm fine with it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was it was a bad catch. I felt like if anything, if he couldn't catch it, he should have been able to jump over and block it. If nothing else, um, or or get up and run after it and get it to home quicker. I don't know. I, I feel like that could have been handled a little bit better by a better defensive catcher. But um, at some well, point, at some point, Sale was just hanging his head and looking really, really defeated. And it probably was where, and I just didn't catch it, you know, where everybody started booing him. I mean, who wouldn't hang their head, you know, in that scenario? And uh, it just makes me wonder if, you know, we always talk about, you know, is the moment too big? And I know Sale's been in Boston, you know, for a little while now. But, uh, you know, he was doing Chris Sale things, you know, back then. So everybody loved him. And now, you know, he's starting to waver and realizing that, you know, the fans are going to turn on him and how that's going to affect him moving forward. Because uh, a lot of kind of how I see future things turning out, you know, is less about, you know, the numbers. Even though something I was going to point out is I saw that it looked like his velocity was a little up. Uh, not back to, you know, normal, I guess. But it went from the 89.1 that it was uh, during his start with the A's to 91.8. So up a little bit. But, um, uh, but you know the intangible things like that, like how a player feels emotionally, as much as Jeremy hates that and thinks it's the pussification of, of major league sports. But, you know, all those things affect players, so it just makes me wonder, you know, how he's going to take his next start. Because I know, aren't they giving him an extra day off or something? Well, they're saving him for the Yankees series at this point. I mean, Baltimore... I, they gave the Yankees some fits, but, I mean, this this should be a series where we kind of gain some footing in a couple areas, and it would almost be a, uh, if you, a wasted start if you want to if you want to call it that. But, um, but yeah, so he'll By go the way, ga- Liz, game against the Yankees. Liz, you can't, you know, you bring up the catching uh, situation, and what you don't know is if you're watching Periscope, Terry's in an idling vehicle in front of McCoy Stadium, ready to drive Leon from Pawtucket <laughs> to Boston. I'm a Swihart so, guy, man. I am a Swihart guy. You can't, you can't tee it up for Terrence like that, Liz. You know better. But on sale, on sale, um, I, I thought um, your take uh, there was pretty good. Uh, or Not pretty good. I thought it was really good. Um, and I adopted as my own because it was that good. Um so my comment is, I like the fact after the game that he's seemingly one of the professional athletes that takes responsibility. Uh, he literally said, it's not good enough. I suck. I need to be better. I have to be better. People are counting on me. Like, as much as I'm disappointed in his performance, it's hard to hate an athlete that's willing to take responsibility for being bad at his job. Um, and what I like about him specifically and the way he does it over the very few others that do, um, he he expressly identifies that he wants to be better for his teammates, for the fan base. I love it. I love it. I love the mindset. I hope the performance gets better. On the flip side, Alex Cora can go fuck himself. Not only will he just not shut up about 2018, he goes out there after Sale says it's my fault and this and that, and he goes excuse train route. Oh, he was sick in between starts, and you know he this and that. It's like Alex, shut up. 
the athlete himself is taking responsibility. You look like a moron. You look like John Farrell getting up here and bullshitting the fan base who just heard Sale from the, the clubhouse say he sucks. So, you know, just a little bit of a um, a little – that whole thing with Cora. And that, Cora's starting to piss me off, frankly. Um, I mean, I, 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 yeah. he will not shut the fuck up about 2018. Bro, the rings were handed out two days ago. Literally no one in Boston cares anymore. We've already won another championship since that happened. The Pats just won. We've already moved on. We're, we're all hoping the Bruins make a run and maybe the Celtics can get to a finals. No one cares, man. Everyone wants to see success in 2019, and you just can't leave it. And then, and then not only that, you just don't even have the pulse of your, of your ace pitcher because you are, you are speaking con- completely inconsistently with him within five minutes of sales saying that he sucks. And, I mean, the the Fenway crowd isn't going to buy it forever, and maybe they've stopped buying it because, like I said in, in the start of the last segment, they booed Chris Sale as loudly as they ever have, and... and he admitted that he should have been booed by his comment. Yeah, I'm not... I have no issues with Sale, you know, with his you know, willingness to take accountability because, you know, he does it. And and he's he's done it, you know, he'll he'll talk trash about his one start in the twenty seventeen postseason, you know, where he got killed by Houston. And and I think he took the, the complete blame for not, you know, winning that series, you know. So but <laughs> What's going to happen with him? I mean, how long can he do this? He, well, he's gonna... well, and and that's what I was going to say, just to chime in really quick, is that I appreciate an athlete that takes the responsibility for their own performance, too, but at the same time, it's like, uh, you know, you guys have been watching him probably a little more closely than I have, and, uh, I mean, he hasn't struggled this much ever, I don't feel, but... Um, how is he going to handle it? Because that's what it's going to come down to. Like, sure, you can admit you're bad, but like, let's say he keeps failing. You know, at, at what point do they maybe make up a fake injury and let him take take some time and figure it out? You know, basically, or maybe he really is injured. You know, and that's what's holding him up, and he's just hiding it. Or I, I don't, I don't know. You know, some something's uh, clearly going on. I wonder if something's going on in his personal life. I always kind of go that route. A lot of people think that's dumb, but if there's personal things going on, I mean, clearly he doesn't have his head in the game. He's no uh, Trevor Bauer, so. Well, not Trevor right. Bauer. I'm, yeah, I'm, Trevor Bauer. I'm, I'm, I'm Team Liz tonight on this take. Um, I I adopt, again, the comment as my own that they're going to come up with a fake injury or even potentially a real injury because <laughs> he might be hurt. Look, on the personal stuff, these are professional athletes, and in sales case, he's getting paid thirty million dollars a year. Um, and I don't know. I, I hope it's nothing. Uh, I'm a family man again, so you know I hope it's nothing. Um, but in my profession, and you, you know your professions, your employer only can go so far with with personal issues. And being a professional athlete is no different. Um, now, with that said, if there's something serious going on, I take it back. Like, if you're going through something with your marriage, that's very serious, the health of a child. Like, I, there's literally nothing more important um, than that. But 
for any of the other stuff, you know, a fight with a sibling or whatever, like, bro, get over it. You can pay $30 million to throw a fastball. And I don't think that has anything to do with it. He's clearly not right. Um, again, uh, I think another – Liz, I think you're dead on here. I think in another start or two, if he's 0-5, he's going to have a oblique strain, which is a total non-injury. He'll, he'll go on. He'll go on <laughs> – He'll go on the <clears throat> DL for a period of 10 to 20 days. He'll make a rehab start in Pawtucket, and he'll be back in mid-May. And I and I and by the way, if he's that much of an anchor to a team that's already struggling, like they, they probably are going to get to a point where they don't have a choice. They have to do it. They have to put someone in a position that can potentially be successful and you know pitch quality starts. Um, and the way Velasquez threw uh, in the Arizona game on Sunday, if you can stretch him out to 60 to 90 pitches, uh, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but he may be a better option, at least in the short term. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, it's funny. We talked all in the offseason about what we thought was going to be the biggest weakness, and we all like were thinking the bullpen. And not that the bullpen's been perfect you know, by any means, but... You know, it, it hasn't been the weakness. It's been the starters. Yeah, well, I mean, I, the bullpen is coming down to earth. I mean, Matt Barnes got hit hard a couple games ago. Brazier, you know, gave up a dinger, in, you know, in the eighth inning tonight. And, you know, I think the bullpen ultimately, you know, will be our weakness if we're going to contend. If we're not going to contend, then we're, we're just going to be a giant clusterfuck. But here's the thing with Chris Sale, though. He he ha- he can't figure it out, and maybe they do come up with a phantom injury. I was kind of wondering if that might happen after the first, um, you know, after the first start where he looked terrible against Seattle. And maybe, you know, instead, you know, because there's optics here because of the contract. Like, you can't tell me in, in the back of their minds right now they're thinking, oh, shit, well, you know, did we fuck up or what? And I just feel like, you know, they, they'll either skip a start, you know, to, to try to work on things, or phantom injury goes on the DL. I don't know how you do that. I mean, Sale himself has a 9 ERA right now. David Price is the ace of the staff with a 6.00 ERA. Nathan Avoldi, 8. 40 ERA, Rick Porcello 13.50 ERA, Eduardo Rodriguez 12.38. This staff, this rotation is a fucking dumpster fire right now. And I mean, we if we're going to have any chance, we need Chris Sale to be right and he's it's not just one thing, it's a ton of things with him right now. He can't he's got two swing and misses on his fastball all year. That's it in three starts. He only went four innings this last time. You know, his his few, well, actually the he only went three the first time. So I guess yeah. So he had 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 fewer innings in this recent start. But it's going to get to the point where teams are going to they're going to have video, they're going to have data, and they're going to know what's coming, and they're going to know what he can throw and what he can't throw, and he's not going to be fooling anybody. And then he's really going to get tattooed. Like this guy is on the verge of. 
just the not. I mean, the worst season of of his career just sounds too light right now, and he's gone past four innings in one of those starts. I I think he and I think that was five. I just. I'm just at a loss for words, and I'm not gonna. I'm still not gonna trash the contract just yet. But yeah, you know, you know what it makes me think of, Terry. I forget what show it was, and I forget exactly the context of what we were talking about. But I think I was saying something about uh, how about they try to trade Sale just to dump him, basically, while he still has some value, because we were all thinking, you know, something's clearly going on with him, but. Not enough to where a team wouldn't see value in him, so why not get rid of him and go after Dallas Keigel? Not that one starter is gonna like be the hero all end all, but wouldn't it be nice to have Dallas Keigel instead of Chris Sale at well, this point anyway? That's a good point because I mean, by us getting Dallas him, Keigel still doesn't have a job. It, it prevents it prevents the Yankees in Tampa Bay from getting him. So uh, Tampa Bay's not getting him. Don't worry about that. <laughs> We're good without him. <laughs> Right. Yeah, true. You you guys. Yeah, at the least, scary at least thing, for now. At least now, we'll see. Not to get too. I know Jeremy's going to weigh in, but not to get too far. You guys have a farm system. You can go get anything you want at the trade deadline. Anything you want. You guys aren't going anywhere. <laughs> and yeah, may if we can squeeze the Yankees in. We're already forty minutes in, so maybe we won't get to them. But um, but yeah. Anyway, Jeremy, go ahead. Go, your thoughts on sale the rotation. Well, just to now disagree with Liz, um, sales untradeable. And I heard, I want to say it was Felger. Back then he was untradeable? He was, he was before the contract he was untradeable also? Or? Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Not, we, we I'm going to take steps like, back. His current contract. Because I thought you meant now. No, 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 no. No, but in okay. the off season, I forget what we were talking then about. I have, but I was like, get rid of him I, and get somebody else. All right, well, then I don't have anything to say because I, I think that would have been a really bold move, and this front office is so still kind of reeling from the way they handled the Lester thing that they obviously overreacted to the sale thing. So they just weren't capable of doing it. Now, whether or not I, on an individual basis, think that it would have been a good idea, I mean, it's tough now because of how bad he's been. Um, and also, but you know, by the way, Keiko's not pitching anywhere. And again, he can throw in his backyard or wherever the hell he's training. But he's he even if you sign him today, he's likely at least a month away from being able to give you seventy five pitches in a big league game. Now, um, I I, I saw an article. Uh, Boris said he's throwing simulated games as if he was playing right now. Whether or not that matters and well, how real okay. that is, or, but but I did here, see that. Here's how much stock i put in what boris has to say about anything okay <laughs> now here it is right here's the breakdown of this all right um so moving on to anything else um look at the end of the day sale has to be better he's being paid a massive amount of money so he has to he has to figure it out and look if he's not going to have 98 which he's probably not going to have then you know it is what it is he's got to find a way to get out so his the, the change-up to, to Gurriel that he lined into right when the game was still, you know, in doubt was 
a saucer changeup belt high away that Gurriel was going to hit for a base hit. Like, his slider hasn't been good. Um, so it's not just his fastball. His stuff has sucked across. It's not like he has a pitch that he can rely on. He is, he is, everything has sucked. His location has sucked on every pitch. He's not getting swings and misses on any of his pitches. He has sucked. Now, one thing I heard, and I want to say it was on 98.5, the Sports Hub in Boston, uh, which I listen to on a daily basis, that, and I want, I can't remember who was the, the person who said this, but it was something to the effect of baseball took a collective deep breath when the Red Sox signed sale, meaning, you know, they all know what we have been saying and Terry more likely more, you know, more than most that, you know, if he were to go into the free agent market, there would have to be a push for him because of the upside, but the potential downside in a tragic arm injury that leaves you years of a bad contract, you know, to the, to the point where, and again, I wish I remembered the source, but it was on the, it might've been Tony Maserati. I hate that Um, guy. I, I hate him too, but he's tied in. So into he has sources and he he's you know he I mean he has a Hall of Fame vote and everything else so but but the the, the comment was Major League Baseball took a collective deep breath when Red Sox re-signed Chris Sale. What does that say? <laughs> I mean you know so whatever the Celt the the, the Celtics the Jesus. The Red Sox overreacted to butchering the Leicester situation. And that's and a great point. Potentially a nightmare. That's a great point. And the the way they could have got around that was to simply wait. They had all year. They could have signed him in August if they wanted to. And if they didn't sign him, let me ask you this. If they didn't sign him with a few days to go before the start of the season, and then he got you off to this start, he's pitched the same exact way, are they giving him that contract next week? Because it's an untradeable contract. Nobody is going to take this contract from us. So Terry, would we have signed you know it anyway? After the start, he's he probably doesn't have a worth that's ascertainable. At exactly, this point. exactly. So that's, that he's been that bad, and there's that many questions related to his his health and the fact that he had. That everyone got. I almost said something inappropriate. Everyone got very excited after the first inning when he hit 94-95 on the gun in the first inning. But guess what? By the time the start was over, he wasn't there again. So, I mean, he can flash it, but there's no control. he doesn't have it. It's not a club in his bag right now. It's not. Um, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll I'll make an admission here, which credit to me, I'm willing to do that. I was of the mindset that there was enough risk both ways, meaning if he came out and won a Cy Young, then he's now worth 250 or 210 or whatever it was going to be. So I I was at least optimistic that it was a fair deal, given the risk to both sides. At this point, at this point, and uh, I do reserve the right to change my mind if he goes and throws an eight hit, you know, no, no, you know, three hitter next week, but it, it seems so stupid that they did this at the time they did it. It just seems so dumb in hindsight with, with the, with, you know, having the information of the last two weeks in front of us, it just looks so fucking dumb. I was the first one to show up to that party and everyone was calling me everything but a child of God. 
And, uh, yeah. But here's another sobering uh, thing to kind of bring up. The last homegrown ace that the Red Sox developed and who they drafted was John Lester. He was drafted in 2002. It's 2019. Are you not counting Brian Johnson? (laughs) I'm I'm just saying this team does not understand pitching. I don't know what the fuck it is. I mean, the the Evaldi contract isn't going to be as painful as the sale contract, regardless of how that turns out. But the the way I look at the Evaldi contract is number one, it was stupid. I would have went two years, thirty million. I thought that was a decent. I think that's where everybody else was. You know, when when the rumors on him were hot and heavy, nobody was willing to go, according to Alex Spear, one of the beat writers, nobody was willing to go anywhere near what the Red Sox gave for Evaldi. And this four-year contract takes over for the stupid contract that we gave Hanley Ramirez. Okay? And I know one's a hitter, one's a pitcher, but still, this contract is still going to affect our spending down the line. And I mean, I'd like to think that maybe we're going to make a play on Ben Attendee or J.D. Martinez, but I have no idea. I mean, going into next year, we're like $20 million beyond the halfway point of the luxury tax threshold. $20 million beyond the halfway point with five players. So, I mean... And you you look at all these brilliant signings that have happened in the in the last couple of weeks. I showed you the Aussie Albies signing today by the Braves. They signed Acuna last week. They're locked up for for nine and ten years respectively for for a combined hundred and eighty two million, less than half of what Mookie Betts is probably going to get all by himself. And this Red Sox team just doesn't understand value. I don't know what the plan is. And Liz, I mean, you bring up Keiko, and I mean, is he going to be worse than, than, you know, our bottom three starters? Probably not. And that prevents the two other top teams in the division from getting him and using him against us. So maybe, and he's willing to take a one-year deal at the qualifying offer. And why the fuck nobody will give him that? is insane to me like that's what it's down to a one-year 18 million dollar deal that nobody's willing to give him i don't i mean the starting pitching has to get reined in the lineup is doing its job i mean i I don't have the numbers in front of me but a lot of these games they've put up at least five or six runs you know so that that's good enough for me that that's them doing their job the starting rotation is not doing its job and I don't know how much longer we can go. I mean, we're four and nine now, but what if we're what if we're like eight and twenty by the the end of April? I just I don't know that you come back from that. That's that's that that's extremely possible and unrecoverable. I think. It's a long season, and anything can happen, and definitely a mantra I've had for the Rays, good, bad, whatever, is, you know, maybe toward the end of the season this isn't so true, you know, when there isn't so many games, but any anything can definitely still happen, but things certainly can't continue down this road, you know, uh, for the Red Sox, so 
hopefully, you know, Sale figures it out and, uh, you know, for you guys' sake, because uh, you play us really soon, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, another stat I saw coming into this game, I think I saw it on MLB Central, if the Red Sox play 600 ball, and that was before this game today, if they play 600 ball, they're at 93 wins. So that's could be wild card territory. Maybe my uh, my picks will flip flop. Maybe the Rays will win the division, and the Red Sox will be the wild card. Yeah, I I had the Red Sox uh, in the wild card, but I don't know. That's true. Any thoughts on the rotation, Jeremy? It sucked, <laughs> and it has sucked. And there's no indication it's not going to suck in the near future. So, you know, they got to keep scoring touchdowns to win games. I mean, it, until something changes. And by the way, it could happen overnight. You know, um, I think Liz is about to touch on the uh, rotation, the uh, the matchups here. But, you know, let's say Erod goes out tomorrow night, goes six, one hit, zero runs, one walk, and turns it over to the bullpen with a 5 nothing lead. Um you know, maybe that's the spark that gets things rolling with the rotation. I think it could happen just like that. So, you know, we'll see what ha- we'll see what happens. They they've been so bad um, that it's hard to it, it's honestly hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I will say that Evaldi tonight um, gave them everything he had, and despite the two bombs, um, you know, left the game uh, in a position where uh, the Red Sox had a chance. Yeah, and uh, one other gripe real quick about the bullpen. Hembry looked okay tonight, but coming into tonight's appearance, he had given up runs in two out of his last three. And, I mean, if we're down by a run, I want at least Colton Brewer in there, somebody who's been pitching fairly well. Walden had some dicey moments tonight, but he's pitched fairly well. Heath Hembry is the last guy I want in a game that's still winnable. I mean, who do you trust less in there besides him? Uh, and Brian Johnson's on the DL. I mean, he would be one that I would trust less, but he might, he probably won't be back. I for trust. A while. I I trust that. I trust Hembry, um, and I trust that for the most part he's going to throw strikes and be competitive. The way the 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 specific arms are throwing right now. I mean, I see your point, but um, you know, Hem- Hembry has has generated a little bit of a track record. Uh, I'm not a Hembry hater. Um, I do think that when when he gets going, he can put ten appearances in a row that are really pretty good. Um, and he's a major league bullpen arm, so I, you know, and, and this, by the way, is maybe a state of our bullpen. <laughs> I mean, there's guys pitching out there that have just made a roster for the first time, and they're you know. You know, Walden's pitching. <laughs> Walden's pitching. You know, a huge inning at the end of the game tonight, to the point where he's got the bases chucked, two outs, and they leave him in there to get the out, and he did. Thank God. But it just, you know, it, I think it's a state of the bullpen generally, and the lack of overall high end talent out there. But you know, I don't, I, I don't specifically hate Hembry. 
I I mean, I get your point that he can go on a run and, and look pretty good. He, you know, he had one early last year, and then there was a point where he was really good with inherited runners, but he hasn't shown it yet, and he wasn't used hardly at all in the playoffs. And, you know, I, I think there's a reason for that. He actually and, did. He wasn't on the roster until Wright hurt his knee again. Look, I think Hembry's the type of guy who could be on about 25 bullpens. He's not going to be in Milwaukee's bullpen. He's not going to be in the Yankees' bullpen. Um, but he's a, he, look, he's a major league bullpen arm. And I don't think you can disagree with that, the 25 clubs yeah. that have, that would have a, a use for him. So, well, But, you- again, it, it highlights the concern with the bullpen because um, he will go for the for the run that's you know six weeks long with 10 really good outings. He'll go too, where he just just for whatever reason doesn't have it at all. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I get the point to a certain extent, and he's the guy that's been there a little bit, um, who's pitched in late innings, and so you would theoretically want to lean on him. And he's not the guy pitching the big innings. He's just not. They had Brazier late. They had uh, shit. I'm gonna space it. I was just I just mentioned him. Well, Pitch the uh, the ninth with the bases loaded. Walden, Walden. I yeah. mean, why would that not be Hembry? So I, I mean, I, I guess to it now that I'm talking through it too, I guess Cora, you know, probably leans in your direction if he, if Hembry's not in those spots. So yeah, I mean, if he doesn't, if he's not brought into the seventh or eighth inning in that in the Tuesday game, you know, then we're tied late in the game, but. That ended up being the uh, the go ahead run, and you know I, it's just frustrating. I, I'm not a Henry guy. Another thing I found interesting. It's kind of hard for me to trash it now, but uh, in the eighth inning of that Tuesday game, I forget who th- there was a runner on second. I forget who that was. Devers was at the plate with two outs, and if he gets on first, Dustin Pedroia comes up with two outs down by a run. And I was like, why would you send a guy up that's had one hit since 2017? Like, that's not the guy I want with the game on the line. Two hits. With, oh, he does now, but he, he, was, he was 0 for 3 going into that at bat. He, he, he let off the next inning and then, and then ripped one down the, the right field line, I think. But he was, he was 0 for 3 going into that, what would have been, a very critical situation uh, where we need to win the game. We're three and eight, and you're gonna let that guy go up to bat. And he did get a hit, you know, the next inning, which resulted in nothing. And uh, he got one tonight, which I think drove in a run. But um, interestingly, right along the right field line, so that means his swing is late. You know, if he's if he's ripping him to the opposite field, so. Hopefully the bat speed picks up and, you know, he can contribute. But um, I just thought it was interesting. It's hard for me to trash it after he's had two hits since then. But, but uh, yes, um, we're about an hour in. So uh, go ahead, Liz, with the uh, matchups. Well, uh, next series, the four-game series against the Orioles, so uh, I know you guys have high hopes for that. Uh, first game tomorrow is John Means, who I've never seen. Uh, oh, no, sorry, wrong tab. I apologize. David Hess, who I also have never seen <laughs> against D-Rod. 
Uh, second game Saturday is uh, Kastner uh, and Porcello. Uh, third game Sunday is John Means and uh, Terry's favorite, David Price. And then uh, nobody's nobody's been named yet by either team for the uh, for the Monday game. Is that a uh, is that Patriots Day? Uh, Monday is Patriots Day, yes, and uh, that's not looking like a good uh, weather day, is what they're saying. So, um, maybe maybe that one gets postponed, and it's an easy one to do because it's a divisional game. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So a lot of uh, you know pitchers we're probably not familiar with. Um, uh, David Hess, he's got a two seven zero ERA. I'm assuming he probably was called up last year. Um, But this is a team that's at the start of a rebuild. They're just kind of going through the motions. We kind of, we haven't mentioned Chris Davis, but that's a guy who's 0 for 51 right now. Probably could get cut Pablo Sandoval style. I mean, there's no reason to keep him there. They're not going to compete anyway. And, you know, you may as well just put a prospect in his spot and see what you have. But, yeah, so I don't know. To me, this series really is, is going to be more about Red Sox pitching, getting it together. Rodriguez has had, well, I mean, I can't even say he's had good success against this team because, you know, a lot of these guys are just so new. But if these guys can rein it in, the uh, Saturday game's a little uh, more dangerous with Kashner. I mean, he's a... A veteran. He's been around a while. Uh, five two eight ERA on the year, but uh, he is pitching against Porcello, so maybe that's a good handicap. And maybe this Price is our ace. Like I said, he's uh, he's got a six point zero zero ERA, so leading the staff. So he's facing John Means, and uh, as Liz said, and that should be a winnable game. And uh, I'm assuming Hernandez. Uh, I'm spacing it. Jeremy's uh, rubbing off on me here. Velasquez will uh, get the Monday start, I'm assuming. Go easy. <laughs> Tread lightly there, Darren. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Sandoval because I have the uh, Giants. Who are they playing? Not the Giants Rockies? Giants Rockies on. And I just like glanced up at it because it's muted, obviously. And I was like, I was like, who is that? It was like, is that Sandoval at bat? I can't believe he's still playing. I really can't. I can't believe they took him back. It's, I'm still in disbelief on that. Well, they only have to pay him the major league minimum, which is like five hundred thousand. So this is yeah, no, five five fifty, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there's no risk really. The Red Sox. Are, yeah, that's huh. true. True. I mean, and they're they're an old team. You know, they they like they like the the older players for whatever reason. They just got so, Pilar but, but from the uh, Blue Jays. Kevin. Pilar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. yeah, I think he just got a hit actually. That one hit JD made tonight. Maybe that's not a hit if Pilar's out there. I mean, he's one of the most elite center fielders, you know, in baseball, next to Bradley Kiermaier and. I'm sure there's one or two others, but yeah. I was surprised that they traded him. He's been with them for forever, I think. Right. Can we trash the Yankees real quick before we go, just for a few minutes? Um, that fan base is 
like there's like mutiny among the fan base. Like they're not buying anything. Aaron Boone says. Uh, Aaron Judge in his post game interview last night. Uh, Aaron Boone said, "You know, I think we're about to turn a corner." And <laughs> Judge was really frustrated at that, and he goes, "Oh, you know, he thinks we're going to turn a corner." And I just. They have a lot of injuries, but they still there's still enough balance on that team to win games, you know, to be at least better than 500. And that's an organization that's going the wrong way. Yeah, uh, it's surprising, too, because they just have so much talent. I, I harped all offseason. Literally every podcast we did and, and what Terrence identifies as the hot stove season. Their, their starting pitching was just paper thin. And then when um, Severino went down, and by the way, um, ah, shucks, he had a setback. He's not going to throw a baseball for six weeks. Um, they're paper thin. Um, and their bullpen's, you know, a top one or two bullpen talent-wise in the league. Um and you'd think they'd hit, but, you know, look, the Red Sox are a great example, despite the fact that we thought we had a good starting rotation. When you're starting pitching, doesn't give you a chance to win. It doesn't matter how good you are offensively. It doesn't matter how good your bullpen is. Um, and, you know, they, they are not getting what they thought from their bats. Um, you know, they lost some leads. Uh, they lost the lead, what was it, Monday or Tuesday night against the Astros? Up 3-1, took to knock out. Everyone said it was early. Um, and I think he was at like just under 80 pitches after six innings. Seven innings. I don't actually. blame him. I don't blame him in that situation because the, the, the talent in that bullpen, but then they give up the lead and they lose 4-3. to three. Um, You know, I mean, they're, they're a dumpster fire just like we are. And, you know, Liz is over there smiling because her devil rays are, you know, rising to the top and just beating the shit out of everybody. In fact, I you know as far as betting on baseball, I I bet on the Devil Rays almost every day because they're just they're just and and you know they're they're finding ways to win, but then they're blowing people out. It's with you know with the, players with players that mostly nobody knows who they are. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about that, but Cash is you know I, Cash is in my opinion a top five manager. We've talked about that on this podcast, but you know um, as far as Boone. Boone handles a lot of the managerial duties like he's still in the media. And he says things that lead me to believe that he doesn't have the pulse of the clubhouse in almost any fashion. Um, Yankees fans, a lot like Red Sox fans, hate bullshit. And when they feel like they're being lied to, they revolt and they revolt loudly and, you know, without a break. And that's happening because uh, they're struggling. And I think part of the frustration for the Yankees, and if I was a Yankees fan, part of the frustration is with the Red Sox being as bad as we've been, you'd think that, you know, you'd want to capitalize on this and build an early lead that you could potentially ride through the season. And they've done the exact opposite of that. In fact, they're not much better than us. And the Rays are the team that are taking advantage of, of the poor play and that are, you know, jumping out to a lead that maybe they can hold on to. So, um, you know, there's a chance that if they're, 
first of all, they're too talented. They're going to get healthy and they're going to start to win games. But you know, if they're five games under five hundred heading into May fifteenth, maybe Hal, you know, old Hal Steinbrenner over there does something maybe his father would do and make a make a quick pull on the manager position. Well, that's the thing though is it's an analytics team and and Boone isn't making the decisions and. I just don't – the players know this. The players know this. So if they stop if they stop showing Aaron Boone respect, who's who's going to police it? Is, is, is Cashman or Hal Steinbrenner himself going to go storming down to the dugout and read everybody the riot act? I mean, they're not buying into whatever the analytics teams are, are trying to put out there. Tanaka should have kept going at least one more inning. And I just, their problems are organizational. It's not It's not so much with the talent. Our problems, some of it's organizational. I mean, I underlined some bad contracts. But, but by and large, the Red Sox are losing right now for performance-related things. You know, they're just not performing. The, the Yankees, a lot of their stuff is behind the scenes. And... And the players are getting frustrated. The fans are getting frustrated. And <laughs> the Bronx is about to be burning. Like, that's... And look at it this way, too. Here's another thing. If they fire Aaron Boone, and they could, but if they did, then they would have to admit that they were wrong and how they approached everything and why they hired him. And I don't think they're going to do that. I really don't. And Ben Sherrington refused to get rid of John Farrell in the 2015 season when he could have, and this was before the cancer. So hard to do it after, you know, for an organization with a, with a public image problem, but he could have easily fired Farrell in, in May, June, July and may, I don't know if that would have saved Sherrington's job or not because Dombrowski became available and there was a relationship previously with John Henry from the Marlins days. But but I just, I just feel like with the Yankees, <laughs> it's going to be hard for them to right that ship. Uh, it's... <laughs> I, I don't know. And Joe Girardi, this is his team. You know, this is still, for the most part, his team. And he developed these guys. And he came in at a time where there were some big contracts on the books. And I think Tashira had just been signed. Rodriguez had just agreed to his new deal. Uh, Sabathia had just been signed all around the same time. But a lot of those contracts went south. And Sabathia was a was a dumpster fire himself for a few years. And that was a front office that made a lot of bad decisions with some big signings. And and so Girardi just didn't really have a, a fair chance. He didn't have like a 2018 Boston Red Sox or a 2017 Houston Astros, a team that was sustainable. And... 10 or 15 years from now, I think Yankee fans are going to look back and think, why did we waste the primes of Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, Severino on some stupid bullshit analytics concept, you know, and Aaron Boone? It's just, if I'm a Yankee fan right now, (laughs) you think I'm negative on the Red Sox, I'd probably... 
being a straight jacket right now. Well, you are negative on the Red Sox, so. Just a little. I mean, come on. I've only said, like, two bad things this whole podcast. Kidding. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any... No, you're not really a Red Sox fan, Perry. Come on. Oh, that's the conspiracy. And I don't, I don't know how much of the Periscope crowd's hanging out, but I just turned the camera. I got a Yankees flag here, which I, I decorated and, you know, with red spray paint. And, and uh, I don't know. The conspiracies are I'm a Red Sox fan and you're not a Red Sox fan. Liz, you're not a conspiracy. I mean, there's <laughs> direct evidence. So, I mean, yeah. I would not, you know, for the record, I would not have that fucking flag flying in my house, whether it was spray printed or not. But that's, you know, Terry's different. I am different. You I'm, know. I'm special. So, um, any any final thoughts, I guess? Yeah, please, Boston. This is the worst team in Major League Baseball. They are literally not a Major League Baseball team. Please, I'm begging you, blow these fuckers out of the water and get back into close to 500 here with the series. How you know, many, build some momentum. How many games did they win last year? Like six? No, not even 50. Yeah, okay, so we can't be that bad. But if we only win 60-something games with our stupid payroll, oh, God. That was, uh, they, they would have sucked a lot cheaper than we sucked. Let's put it that way, which, you know, sounds like a creepy joke now that I think about it, but, um, yeah, they're not, gonna, they're not going to lose a hundred games. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad they won't then. Um, all right. So next show, uh, well, actually it'll be Monday, won't it? Cause of the, um. Uh, yeah, game. they play marathon Monday, so we'll record Monday uh, that night. Yeah, yeah. And today's uh, well, today's Thursday, so I guess that's not too far away. All right, well, uh, good show, guys. Uh, at least we split. You know, as ugly as it might have been, but uh, you know, if we take three out of four and actually win a fucking series, I'll uh, I'll take a deep breath. So have a good night. Good night, good night guys. Let's episode 123 this is that time where i don't know what the fuck episode it is so uh for everyone who hung out um you know growing frustration here with the starting rotation no way to sugarcoat it um hopefully it improves uh against this very young very inexperienced baltimore team so Enjoy the rest of uh, your week. And as we said, we'll uh, see you Monday night. Take care. It's a kind of old family. Wherever I go, a best way home. That's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity. I live and die with Red Sox right for eternity.